can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear now, and I will speak. I will ask you, and you instruct me. I have heard of you by the hearing of, by, of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore I retract, and I repent in dust and ashes. Wow. What do you think? He got the message. He did, didn't he? Mm -hmm. What message did he get? He spoke when he shouldn't have. Yeah, that's exactly right. He doesn't know all things. God's got purposes that he has no idea about. Job admits to flunking God's biology exam. You know, he doesn't understand these things. And, uh, you know, he'd heard of him, but now he sees him and he retracts and repents in dust and ashes. So, does Job repent because God told him everything that was going on and explained everything to him? No. No. You know, we don't have to have that. You know, we don't have to have an explanation for everything God does to humble ourselves and recognize he knows what's best and we need to trust him. You know, he's not obligated to, to explain it all to us. I think that's an important lesson. So that's a big step uh, in the right direction from what he'd said in chapter 40. I think this is what God was looking for all along. Job needs to repent. He needs to take back what he said, you know, more or less. And he does. Thoughts and comments? seems abrupt or I don't know it's not God wasn't just oh I don't want to try to say it just God was just saying these things and then Job drew his conclusions that's exactly right yes that's exactly right it was right. more overt or yeah God doesn't just say now Job please it's time for you to repent Job you ought to say this Job right. you ought to do this God overwhelms Job. Job begins to see this, and Job volunteers the confession. So you almost see that God's going to just keep giving him these pictures until he gets the point. Like, he didn't get it the first time, so then he went with a larger picture or something, but it wasn't so direct. You had to draw your own conclusions, which is sort of what we have to do about God. That's exactly right. You, he has to use this to humble himself. Caleb? Uh, in a uh, verse 4 it says here now I will speak I will ask you and you will instruct me uh, before this has been what God was saying to Job but now I find it interesting that now here Job uh, is saying that to God that he's like referring to that he wants him to instruct him now Um, yes, okay. I'm wondering about that then now. Is that not... Does God say that to him? Yeah. He says to instruct him every time he starts his speech. Is, here, I'm going to yeah, tell you about this. Now right? you tell me. <laughs> Yeah, so I believe 
that Job is quoting God. Okay. Why not write in three? Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? That's what God said. <coughs> uh, that was uh, 38.2. And Job responds, Therefore I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Here and now, and I will speak, I will ask you, and you instruct me. That's basically quoting 38.3. And Job responds by saying, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you, therefore I retract and I repent in dust and ashes. So I believe he's quoting God in those two statements. Other thoughts? Seven to nine. It came about after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, that the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against you, you and against your two friends, because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Now therefore take for yourself seven bulls and seven bands, and go to my servant Job, and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves and my servant Job will pray for you. For I will accept him, so that I may not do with you according to your folly, because you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Timonite and Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Naamite went and did as the Lord told them, and the Lord accepted Job. Alright, we've dealt with Job, but we still haven't dealt with the three friends. And the Lord speaks to the friends very directly. My wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends because you've not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Now think about a couple things with that. One thing, when, when Job said what he did in 42.6, remember Job doesn't know how the rest of the chapter is going to be. He doesn't know that he's going to get blessed for this. Will a man serve God for nothing? Doesn't that prove it? Hasn't that been the right thing for him to say? The friends haven't humbled themselves yet. Furthermore, you know, Job was a lot more honest than the friends were. The friends were dishonest to try to preserve the honor of God. God preferred Job's honesty to the friends lying to try to uphold his honor. I think that's an interesting point, interesting thought. So, what does God suggest to the friends that they need to do? Offer an offering. Uh, sort of. How? Job offered. Okay. Yeah. Take seven bulls and seven rams and go to Job. And make this offering and Job will pray for you. So they, Job needs to help them with the offering, and Job needs to pray for them. What do you think about that? It's humbling for them. Whoa! Isn't that amazing? You guys need Job. Um, and and really need him. I mean, seven bulls and seven rams, that's pretty, uh, a pretty big sacrifice. They've done some pretty bad things. After all the terrible things Job has done... <laughs> That's exactly According right. To them. I know. They have to go to a guy like Job for this? 
You know, Job, who wanted a mediator, now serves as one. He's the intercessor between them and the Lord. I mean, I'm sh God didn't have to do it this way, did he? I mean, couldn't have God told him to offer it directly or whatever? What is God trying to say in this? They needed to humble themselves before Job. They were going to get restored. That's what they'd have to do, and that is what they do. Thankfully, they listened. Caleb. Uh, how come God doesn't uh, mention here? Is it uh, Elihu? Elihu? Great question. That's in my notes. That depends on your perspective. I say because he was nearer the truth than the other three, and he didn't falsely accuse Job like they did. And so he basically gets a pass. He wasn't quite right, but he wasn't so far wrong. I think the fact God doesn't rebuke him here is a sign that, you know, his contribution was more positive than negative. But you can take that how you want to. It is really weird. I mean, people, everybody struggles with the fact Eliphaz pops in in 32 and pops out in 37. That's it. Nothing before. I, I like you, rather. Nothing before, nothing after. That's, that's, he's there, and that's it. Why does he address Eliphaz and his two friends and not one of the other ways? I don't know. I guess Eliphaz is kind of the leader. He was always the first one to speak. Other thoughts? Ten to seventeen. <clears throat> The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends, and the Lord increased all that Job had twofold. <clears throat> then all his brothers and all his sisters and all who had known him before came to him, and they ate bread with him in his house, and they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversities that the Lord had brought on him. And each one gave him one piece of money and each a ring of gold. The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, and he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 female donkeys. He had seven sons and three daughters. He named the first Jemima, and the second Kazia, and the third Karen Havok. In all the land, no women were found so, <laughs> sorry, so fair as Job's daughters, and their father gave them inheritance among their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his grandsons, four generations. And Job died an old man and full of days. Okay. Now, it's after Job has prayed for his friends. You know, that, that, I mean, you think about that from Job's standpoint. Would you want to pray for them? Well, I think Job would, but we might not, after all that. But when Job did that, then what did God do for Job? Blessed him. How much? Twofold. Twice as much as he had before. You know, that really changes things. People look at Job differently now. You know, he has twice as much. He doesn't have twice as many kids. He has the same number of kids, but then he didn't really lose the other kids. They're just with the Lord. So, you know, he ends up getting a double set. Um, when it's all said and done, seven sons and three daughters. He and they start were, all over and have him as infants again. Yeah, how exciting. <laughs> That'd be cool. Like, oh, no. I think I could do a better job this time, but who knows? Probably wouldn't. I'd probably make other mistakes this time. You don't think they would look like you this time? <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope so. But, yeah. And it's a poor wife. Yeah. Assuming it's the same wife. You know. 
Well, they're pretty. Well, probably whenever, uh, you know, Kezia and Karen Hapak had kids, she was. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the boys may have. We don't know what their names were. So. Why does it bother to name the three girls? Yeah, I, I imagine they had the their names meant something, but don't ask me what. So. Well, and they got an inheritance among their brothers, so they were noteworthy. And yeah, they were. Very and Job lives another 140 years, wow. or is that he lives 140 years total? I won't argue that point either way. Long time to live either way. He sees his sons, grandsons, and down to four generations. He dies as an old man and full of days. And so... Job exemplifies a believer who loves God for God, apart from the blessings. The experiment proves that. And now that Job's proven that, he gets blessed. And uh, so, you know, think about this question. From the standpoint of the different characters in the book, what did they think the purpose of suffering was? Punishment. The friends thought it was punishment. Job Injustice. Injustice, yeah. Mistreatment. Elihu? Discipline. Discipline, chastening. And God? A test? Yeah, to show that man will serve God without motivation. Now, I think there might be a second thing you can see in this that would be worth thinking about. Do you think there's any change in Job between the very first of the book and between the end of the book? Yeah. He's grown. We've seen some chinks in his armor. He needed to humble himself more. He's done that. I believe all that he went through matured and developed Job spiritually. I believe he is stronger and better and, and closer to the Lord after than before. You know, often, really difficult things do help us in some senses. You know, they may be really hard when we're going through them, but often afterwards, they... The discipline yields, as Hebrews 12 says, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So I really think Job has grown in the book. And that that may be another thing God's doing through allowing Satan to, uh, to chastise Job in this way. Other thoughts? Well, that, boys and girls, is Job. Well, at least what I know about it. So thank you for uh, paying attention to all that. And uh, it's a little long in the middle, but there's some really good lessons in it. And I guess next week we're going to First Kings.